This reading is from Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters, who refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Sharon. Good morning, everyone. It's really great to be with you all. My name is Emily, and I'm one of the student pastors here. So if we haven't met and it's your first time, a really warm welcome, and welcome to everyone joining us at home. So as has been said, we're in a series at the moment in Psalms. And I have a quick question as we begin our time together. And the question is, are there any shepherds in the room? So if there's a shepherd in the room, do raise your hand. Maybe one? Oh, I can see one shepherd. Welcome. Uh, Okay, as I imagine, not many shepherds are in the room today. I did wonder in case there might have been a farming conference. We could have had lots of shepherds. But um, most of us um, probably aren't too familiar with what shepherds do. I grew up in um, a rural area of the country, and uh, I had a fair bit of time seeing sheep out the window of my house or kind of getting lost, stuck in random places. But I still didn't really know much about the role of a shepherd. And this week I spoke to my cousin, who is in fact a shepherd, and uh, I said to him, I said, "Um, if you were to describe sheep in a few words, what would you say? And he simply said this, he said, sheep need constant shepherding. Sheep need constant shepherding. And he then described a bit of the work that he does as a farmer, as a shepherd. And essentially, nonstop, these sheep that he looks after, they're vulnerable, they wander off, they get stuck in random places, they constantly need care. But what he did say is it's an incredibly rewarding thing that he gets to do, to see his flock do well, to see them flourish, and to see them taken care of. I did actually ask someone else this week, who I know has sheep in their family, and I said, how would you describe them? And he just said, woolly, cuddly, and cute. So that's also (laughs) sheep. But um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, is I think possibly one of the most familiar psalms in the whole Bible. It's in fact um, one of the most familiar parts of scripture, whether you've been in church your whole life um, or you've just here for the first time today and you're not kind of sure what this is all about, you perhaps have still heard of Psalm 23. But it's perhaps a psalm that is so familiar, we can sometimes miss the richness and depth of what is in front of us. We can become over-familiar with the familiar. Psalm 23, we've heard it, we've read it, we've sung it, the Lord is my shepherd. But do we know that? And today, as we go through this popular psalm, Psalm 23, I just want to draw out three key images of who God is. We'll see that this psalm isn't just an old hymn that gets sung occasionally or a kind of faithful part that we sometimes come back to a bit. It's in fact a powerful proclamation of who God is, of his shepherding love towards us, us as his people, as his sheep. This is food for our souls. As one famous preacher put it, Charles Spurgeon said, it's the pearl of the psalms. And there's an invitation wherever you're at today into the Lord's care. We'll see he's the Lord who provides, who protects, and who delights in us being in his presence. And if you've never heard the psalm before, if it's the very first time, well, you're in for a treat. So firstly, the Lord's provision, verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
And so David, who wrote this psalm, knew very well what it was to be a shepherd, to know the experience of guarding his flock. He knew, like my cousin, that sheep needed shepherding, that sheep were prone to wandering off, but also in the context of his shepherding, that there were predators about, there were even those that would come and steal his sheep. Shepherding wasn't a passive thing. David had to work hard at it, actively, to keep his sheep from harm. Every night, a shepherd would, in fact, count the sheep to make sure he still had the same amount he started with, that sheep hadn't wandered off and gone astray, discontent to lose any under his care. But shepherding didn't only mean tending to the sheep, keeping an eye on them. It also meant looking after them, binding up wounds, making sure their basic needs were met, actually traveling far and wide to make sure they found shelter food and water. It meant trekking across different types of terrain. It required endurance and skill. David, a young shepherd boy who knew what it was to care for sheep, who ultimately became king over Israel, he knew what it was to be a shepherd. And what I love is that God didn't speak to him through a random kind of mysterious image, but he spoke to him in, through the language that he understood, through shepherding. In fact, the culture of the time would have really deeply understood what this meant. And so here in Psalm 23, we have this beautiful declaration at the the beginning of the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I think just pause for a moment and take in how remarkable it is what David can say, that he can look back over his life, over all of the, the good times and the bad times, the things that he went through and say that the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the universe in all of his majesty, the one who knows, from the, knows what's from the beginning to the end, He's like a humble shepherd. And Psalm 23 is in fact a celebration of who Jesus is. We read in John's account in John chapter 10, Jesus himself saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd who, as we read in verse two, makes me lie down by green pastures, who leads me beside still waters. If you've walked around Oxford today or anywhere in the country really, you'll see that it doesn't perhaps look like green pastures. In fact, we've got a picture, I think, of uh, Christchurch Meadow up on the screens. Um, this is a bit more what it looks like outside at the moment. In fact, I think it's the driest I've ever seen the grass. And I think sometimes we can approach God as if this is all he has for us. Like there's enough for other people, but not for us. Or we don't truly believe that he is the Lord who will provide for us. But this is not a picture of what we're promised in him. Mother Teresa said this, she said, the greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It's being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. You see, God cares about our practical needs, the things that we walk through, our infirmities, but our deepest needs still, amongst all of that, is for rest in our souls. As Augustine said, our souls are restless until they find their rest in you, Lord. You know, you can be in the most beautiful place in the world, you can be by a beach, you can be on holiday, relaxing, but if your soul still isn't at rest, you can still have stuff going on in your mind, you still have a peace that that won't last. The love and the rest that Mother Teresa speaks of that our souls long for, that we try and fill in so many different ways with different things that we do, can only be met in the one that our souls were made for in Jesus. He's the Lord who provides restoration for our souls. I have a video of a little bit more of the the grass that I think is in mind when the psalmist writes this.
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. He makes me lie down by green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Cute sheep. <laughs> um, so the Lord, the flock isn't always on the move that we read about here. The flock is loved for. It's loved and cared for. David can say with confidence that it's from a place of rest that the Lord will guide him, that he will also provide direction. That verse goes on, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I remember after the first time I'd come to this church as a student who hadn't been to church for a very long time, I'd walked away from the faith of my parents of my childhood and I'd come into this church and I'd encountered that, that love, that deep rest for my soul that I found in Jesus in giving my life to him. And I remember just a few days later, sitting around the kitchen table with my uni friends, and it was quite a big deal for them that I'd gone to church. And I thought, goodness me, this is the moment I'm gonna to have to talk about it. And they asked me, uh, Em, how, how was church? And I thought, right, here it goes. I was like, well, I didn't really know how to explain what has happened, but I think I'm a Christian. And as I said it out loud, this, this kind of thought came into my head, which I now know is the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I didn't have a full explanation of what had happened, but I just had this truth that came to me, and it was, I don't know everything that, that's happened right now, but one thing I do know for sure is that God has a plan for my life. And it wasn't like I had a roadmap, kind of this is what you're now doing each day. I still don't really know half the time what's, what's going on, but I have a deep peace, a rest in my soul that my life is in the Lord's hands and it's for his glory, it's for his namesake that he restores us, that he comforts us, that he leads us in his ways. This is what it is to know the Lord as our shepherd. Now you might be thinking, okay, all of that is great, but in reality, life isn't just one big summer holiday. I mean, hopefully you're getting to enjoy some summer holiday at the moment, but we don't get to spend all our lives sitting in green pastures by still rivers with everything perfect. The truth is, the reality is that on Monday morning, the alarm clock goes off. We face our days. That troubles do come. In fact, more so, even when we're walking with the Lord, troubles will come. Which brings me on to secondly, what we see in this psalm. We see that the protection that is found in knowing the Lord as our shepherd. You see, the confidence that David could have in singing of the comfort and the care of the Lord was not only when he was beside still waters, when he was in a beautiful place, when he had no trouble in the world. Pretty much most people can find some kind of relaxation in that. But know that the, the peace that he could find was even when he found himself walking through valleys, even through the darkest of valleys, even valleys filled with the shadow of death. But this is the beautiful thing about the Psalms. In the Psalms, we have every facet of human emotion. It's in the Psalms that God isn't overwhelmed by our, the reality of our situations, by us expressing ourselves fully about where we're at. But why then can David say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil? Well, he talks about the Lord comforting him with his rod and his staff. Bear with. <laughs> have props. So <laughs> I don't know if you're that familiar with a staff and a rod. Well, in fact, this is a baseball bat, but it's the closest thing I could find. And um, this is a staff. It's actually one of my dad's staffs. I don't know if you knew I borrowed it. So thanks, dad. Um, he uses it for walking. So we have here shepherd's tools. And see, I don't know if any of you have ever tried to hug a rod on a staff. 
it's not that comforting. I don't quite think this is what the psalmist has in mind. But the thing about the shepherd's tools in the time of David was that a rod in his hand was used to fight off uh, predators. It was used to, to defend the sheep. It was as if it was an extension of his right arm. The rod speaks of God's power and his strength, his protection and his authority. And the staff is probably more commonly what we'd think of when we think of a shepherd. You know, if you're in a field, the sheep, and you see someone with this, you think, I'm pretty sure they are the shepherd. It's what we identify as a shepherd. And the, the staff was used to, to care for the flock. In fact, I found out this week, because I've been spending a lot of time learning about sheep, and it's used by shepherds to pick up the lamb and bring it back towards their, their mother. It's used to keep the sheep in the fold. And now, what is interesting, I found, that Psalm 23, it comes after Psalm 22, obviously, but Psalm 22 is the Psalm of the cross. It contains lines that Jesus himself cried out in agony when he, the good shepherd, laid down his life for us, the sheep. When he cried out in verse one of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, I found myself thinking this week how powerful it is that it's only after we hear, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, that we can hear David singing, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, what David said was a prophetic statement. It was a direct declaration of Jesus who lived in his earthly life in the shadow of the, of the cross, in the shadow of death. He, the good shepherd, was the perfect lamb slain for our sins the one who came to do the Father's will, who had authority to lay down his life and take it back up again. He passed through the valley of the shadow of death. On the third day, he rose again, defeating the enemy and conquering sin and death, disarming the principalities and powers of darkness. And this is the confidence that we can have in the Lord, even though we may walk through the valleys of death in light of the hope of the resurrection. And here's the thing that's also beautiful in this psalm is in those first few verses, David is saying, Talking about the Lord, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He addresses him in worship. But there's something beautiful that shifts here in the way that he talks to the Lord. He says, I will fear no evil. And then he says, for you, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I think there's an important shift here in the way that David talks to the Lord. He doesn't just know about God as kind of the right things to say about him. He knows him perfectly with him. He knows him beside him, protecting him, fighting for him, guiding him, even through the valleys. So hear this today, whatever valley you might be in, whatever valley you might walk through, that you are not alone. He is fighting for you. Jesus rose from the grave. He ascended into heaven and he is seated in victory at the right hand of the Father. This is the rod that we can know, his protection, his mighty hand outstretched over you. And then Jesus is Emmanuel, his staff, his Holy Spirit with us. He is God with us in all moments, his comfort and protection over our lives. He has fully experienced everything that we may walk through. This is his staff that keeps us walking even through those times of trial. And this is the comfort that we can know even though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He is fighting for you and he is with you. You know, there is so much anxiety in the world right now. And the world desperately needs to know that peace and comfort of the Lord's presence. And I think we sometimes underestimate how powerful it is that we can carry this peace into wherever the Lord has called us to be. 
Obviously not pretending that life is fine when it's really not, but living with a deep rest and assurance of the provision of Jesus in our lives, of his comfort with us, of his victory over us. You know, there's so much physical need in the world right now. You might be experiencing that yourself today. People need to be set free from addiction, from poverty, from injustices that we find. And we're called to be as the body of Christ, Jesus' hands and feet. Jackie Pullinger, an amazing woman who has spent most of her life working in Hong Kong with um, heroin addicts, with gang members, with sex addicts and workers in Hong Kong. She has done, had an amazing ministry and she once said this, she said, God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet. But the trouble with us is that so many of us have hard hearts and soft feet. And if we wanna be people that encounter Jesus, that that know his provision and his protection, who have softened hearts, but also have hard feet, who are willing to walk through those tough paths where the Lord may lead us. How can we do that? How can we know the comfort and the confidence of the Lord's protection with us, even through those valleys? How can we be people that bring compassion into a hurting world and not get burnt out in the process? Well, remember from this Psalm that that we've moved from a place of rest into the valley. And I think this is sometimes the mystery of the Christian life in that often we are walking a path of joy and sorrow at the same time. Sometimes we can't quite make sense of what is going on around us, but there is something in Jesus that can hold it together. In the early church, the Jesuits had a phrase that spoke about being contemplatives in action. And I think this is just sort of a fancy way of saying, live like Jesus, that we can be people that know a deep place of rest, of love and of peace, even when we face trials and difficulties, even when we're out in the midst of the world where God has called us to be. And how did Jesus live? Well, he lived in constant communion with the Father. He lived to do the Father's will. He spent time alone in the Father's presence, but he also spoke to his Father throughout his day. He was available to be interrupted by the Spirit wherever he was. And so as we see Jesus, as we gaze upon his beauty, as we spend time in our Father's presence, as we gather on a Sunday to worship, as we spend time in our small group communities, as we spend time in God's word, as we meditate on who he is, we can know his rod and his staff comforting us. We can live from that place of rest. We can become contemplatives in action, people who can carry his peace and his rest even into the darkest places. And I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to pour more of that into our hearts today to refresh us and to renew us and to empower us to be people that carry his peace and his presence wherever he's called us to be. And a practical encouragement to you this week as a way to maybe just take this into your week wherever you may be is to have a go at memorizing scripture. Now I have the memory of a goldfish. I feel like I forget things so quickly. I find it so hard to memorize scripture, but have a go. And so Psalm 23 could be a great place to start, even if it's just one verse. You might know it from childhood. You might be familiar with it, but take time to just have that verse going in your mind. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Or do a verse this week and then add another verse next week. But, but see what might happen as you, you just dwell in this scripture. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit loves to remind us of verses And use this psalm to pray through your week. At the end of the day, you might want to just come back to it and reflect where you've seen God with you, where you've known his guidance, where you've known his comfort. But be real, if you're in that place of the valley, talk to him about it. Because that brings me finally to the confidence and the life and the joy that is found in the Lord's presence. This psalm ends by David saying, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup 
overflows. You know, David says here, the Lord prepares a table for him in the presence of the enemies. I don't think this is a quick meal deal, kind of delivery, grab and go, a quick eating in the middle of doing things. No, he's talking about a table laid out before him. In reality, if you think about it, when soldiers are at war, when there's trouble going on, they're not gonna pause the fighting for a moment and just sit down and have a a three-course meal. That's not what it looks like. But David did know the very real threat of enemies in his life, yet he could declare with confidence and peace of the joy that was found in the presence of God. You know, the battles we face are real. We have an enemy, but as Paul writes in Ephesians, the battles we face are not against flesh and blood, they're against the principalities and powers of darkness. But the Lord is our shepherd and he has won the victory. The enemy has been defeated. In John 10, 10, we read, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And the Lord's desire for each and every one of us here today, everyone joining us at home, is that we would know the joy and delight of being at the Lord's banqueting table. Even in the presence of enemies, there is an abundance to life that is to be found in him, of the Holy Spirit refreshing us with his oil daily. You know, one of the biggest barriers before I came to church for the first time, I was, I was feeling drawn to, to kind of, I guess, inquire and think about the things of God, but I, I had this thing that stopped me from coming was that I was so sure if I was to become a Christian, my life would be boring, that I would just have to give up everything I love doing and I'd have no friends. I could not be more wrong from the truth of what it is to follow Jesus. It is an adventure and he brings color to every area of our lives. And so you were made to live at the banqueting table. Don't let the enemy rob you with his lies of your identity and rob you of your identity as a beloved son and daughter who has been invited to sit at the king's table. Just want to end with a final story about a student that I um, had the joy of reading the Bible with uh, recently. She became a Christian here in this church not that long ago, and I was sat with her and her friend. We got to read the Bible together for the first time. It was the first time she'd ever opened up the Bible for herself. And we decided to look at um, the parable Jesus speaks of, of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15. And just to remind you of that story, I'm sure some of you will know it well, but it's the story of the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one, who searches until he finds it. And when he finds it, he puts it on his shoulder. He picks up that wandering sheep and he carries it back and he rejoices and he gets his friends and neighbors around when he finds it back home and says, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. And then he says, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And we looked at this story together. And as we finished, I looked over and this student, she just had tears in her eyes. And I said, tell me what's going on. How do you feel as we've read this parable together? And she just looked at me and she said, I've been found. Why me, though? I just can't get over why me. And how beautiful this is. Why me? Why you? Why any of us? Because that's how much God loves us. That if you're the only lost sheep, if you're the only one, that he would have still died for you. And so we, may we never lose the wonder of what it is that we have been found by a saviour that the Lord is our shepherd, the good shepherd who came to seek and save the lost. That we can say with David, not just the Lord is a shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. It changes everything. And you know, in the story of David's life, 
He says at the end, he says, um, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And if you're familiar with David's life, he didn't actually get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He didn't actually get to be the one that built the temple. It was his son Solomon. But yet he could know the reality of the eternal security that he had in the Lord that affected his present. David had tasted of the goodness, the mercy, the loving kindness of the Lord following him all the days of his life. That even translates to the Lord chasing him with goodness and mercy and loving kindness. That is the pursuit of the Lord's love towards us, even when we're prone to wonder and go astray. And so when you put your life in the Lord's hands, again and again, when we come back to him, there's nothing that you can make the good shepherd do to love you anymore. And there's nothing that you can make the good shepherd do to love you any less. He has prepared a table for you. And in the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, we have this beautiful vision of eternity. Let me just read you this one last verse. Revelation 7, 17, it says, For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is a beautiful description of what is to come. And I remember actually a friend who had recently come to Christ, she asked me, what is eternity? What is it going to be like? And that's a huge, beautiful question. And and we looked at this scripture together. And she just immediately said, again, without really taking much time to think about it, after I described this beautiful image of eternity, she said, but I've experienced that now. I thought, wow. Wow. This is what we can taste. Taste something of what is to come, of the peace, of the living water, of the joy that is found in Jesus. So if I could invite the band to come back up, we're gonna end now in worship. But my final question to you today is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, a psalm that we can be so familiar with is, are you familiar with the Lord as your shepherd? Do you know him shepherding you today? The Lord who protects us, the Lord who provides, the Lord who sustains us with his presence. Perhaps you do feel today like you're in the valley of the shadow, that there is darkness. And I really believe the Lord wants to comfort you and strengthen you to keep walking through that valley. It might be that you just need to know that place of rest. We'll invite you to just come and sit and lie down in those green pastures to allow the spirit to minister to you. Or perhaps you just need to be reminded of the joy that is found in his presence, of the wonder of what it is that you have been found by the good shepherd. Can I invite you to stand and I'm gonna pray and then there'll be invitation to receive prayer today. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. And we just welcome your presence here now. I just want to pray, come Holy Spirit. Would you feed us, your sheep, Lord? Just invite, you might want to open up your hands, just offer yourself to the Lord and just ask for whatever it is you need today, whether it's refreshment or comfort or joy. There is enough to go around. Come Holy Spirit. Amen, let's worship together.